Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Three Black Halflings. I am your host, Jasper William Cartwright, and with me today we have... Luyano, Nati Luis Nyao, but everybody calls me Nati... And Jeremy Cobb, but I've I've run out of nicknames at this point. You can you can uh, what have I said? Have I said J Man, J Money, J Cobb, J Diddy, Jer Bear? J Man's cool. J Man's we'll cool. Yeah. yeah, we'll JC, take J Man. Cobmeister, Cobster, um, Cobbers. But even more exciting than Jeremy's lack of nickname, we have a fourth person with us today. We are so excited to be joined uh, by founder of Twin Drums and the Wagadu setting, Alan Kodicho. Hello, how are you doing today? Hi, such an honor. Thank you. I'm great. <laughs> it's an honor to have you. Yeah. Oh my God! You will come to terms with your own weakness. Old Prince vibe. Focus Ooh. on your task. Yeah! You shut your mouth. No one is interested. You think this is just a game? Let's suffer and learn. <laughs> Let's make them even more black. We're about to get into something real big now. We are so excited because the Wagadu setting looks incredible. Uh, I think it was, we were literally, we just set up our group chat. We recorded the first episode and I said, right, everyone send me just everything you can find. Any black D&D content, just send it to me and we'll try and just reach out to people. And I think it was one of the first things that you sent through, Jeremy, because you'd seen it about a year ago. Is yeah, that what, yeah. What it was? Uh, just about a year ago from the time of us recording this, I think I had, I was going to run a, a, an Africa fantasy based D&D game. Uh, and so I was doing research not only into uh, real-life African history and cultures, but also, like, any pre-existing uh, African D&D settings. And uh, Wagadu was one of the first ones I came across. Uh, and I was like, ooh, Amazing. this looks really cool. Uh, but there wasn't tons and tons of info uh, about it, so I was like, ah, well... Hopefully that comes out soon. And then I moved on. <laughs> <laughs> and now here we are talking uh, yeah. to Alan himself. Yeah. How cool is that? Uh, so we've got to start off. Just uh, t- tell us a bit about you, uh, Alan. Like, how did you get into D&D? Uh, you've been playing it for a while, I believe. Um, yeah. What, what's, what, what's your, what, share us with us your love of D&D. Yeah. So this is like always the best question because it brings back memories. And um, yeah, so I, I've been playing for 20 years actually now. And I, I started uh, as a teenager and I've never heard about D&D before. I just knew role-playing games as video games. And I heard about Ooh. this thing from which video games came, like this kind of ancient game called Dungeons and Dragons. And then I had a, yeah, I had a friend at school who said like, oh, I have, uh, it was advanced, advanced D&D at the time. I had an AD&D book and friends, and this friend is organizing. And I, my mind was blown because I, blown away because I got, I got this book, I read it, and I was so excited. It's like, this is the real thing. And it's like, we sit down. And, so, and then, of course, they canceled it, the game was... They didn't have it. No, no. <laughs> yes. Always the way. And I was like so disappointed. And I was like, no, now like I'm so excited. I'm going to do this. So with my little savings at the time, I spent all of my money, my little money, to get the books. I bought dice, Amazing. like four sets, and invited my friends over. We're playing a board. I called it a board game at the time. Like uh, I said, like <laughs> we're playing a board game. I invited them, and then I ran my first session without ever seeing anyone play the game. So like half of everything Whoa. was wrong. Yeah. So I started as a DM. So you started with AD&D? And actually, I bought the third edition books. I mean, I read the oh, AD&D, okay. but third edition had just come out. So I went to the shop and they were like, you should get third edition. So actually, it was brand new, brand new third edition. Oh, cool. I like, I love that. You've like fully got an origin story for your for playing D&D. Yeah. <laughs> Not like the rest of us are just like, oh, I saw it on Stranger Things. I'm going to play D&D. <laughs> like you were, you've been doing it, man. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and so you're with us today to talk a little bit yeah. about this campaign setting that you've been working on, yeah. which is also going to be a part of a video game setting, yes. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Like, mind-blowingly <laughs> awesome. We've literally been freaking out every time you post on it, Twitter. We're like, oh, we want more, we want more. Um, so 
uh, but we know a little bit about the campaign, and please tell our audience a little bit about Wagadu, the setting, uh, what it's all about, um, and why everyone should be so excited about it like we are. <laughs> yeah, thanks. So it's um, the Wagadu Chronicles is uh, an Afro-fantasy setting. So uh, basically, you know, I, I had this thing, I was looking around for, in the past for uh, senti- settings inspired by, uh, by Africa, and and there wasn't basically anything, right? So then I thought like, mm-hmm. um, well, you know, I'm a game designer because I'm a professional game designer. You know, I've, I've run games for 20 years in D&D and it's like, why don't I make my own setting? And, you know, and at this time I was thinking about what my next video game project could be. So I was like, well, I could create a setting for D&D and use it for a video game as well. So like everything kind of clicked perfectly. And I started, and I was doing lots of research anyways in African folklore traditions because of my Ghanaian heritage and I wanted to know more about kind of, uh, you know, my history. So then just you know, everything literally fell into place. And um, yeah, as, as usual, like I was just DND fine, everything in my life, like work, personal. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly yeah. what we did. That's pretty much the reason that I came up with the idea for the show. Cause I was just like, I wonder, I do a lot. I plan a lot of DND. I wonder if I could sit around with my friends and just talk uh, about planning. D&D. Awesome, great. <laughs> <laughs> And so yeah, D and Dify your life completely, uh... completely. Um, yeah, and I guess I, I guess I was really interested to find out like um, what were the challenges of adapting like um, within a pre-existing system, um, like within the five E system, um, and what are like your sort of like plans for the ongoing project as well. Yeah, that's a great question because I, I mean I did think about it like should I go for fifth editions? So I will I will confess. That actually, my first thought, my first setting uh, was uh, that I considered was the World of Darkness, the new World of Darkness from White Wolf, mm-hmm. because uh, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I had a period that was playing it uh, a lot. Like I, was, I played it for like I think fifteen years or something, and I never stopped playing D and D. But I had a period when I was playing like lots of both. And what I really liked okay. about uh, um, White Wolf's new World of Darkness is that there's less of a power gap. Like you don't have this level one to level twenty, which can be cool. But at the same time, you know, it creates like this very kind of uh, Dragon Ball surreal, you know, power gaps. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Super Saiyan Super 3 Saiyan, yeah. Super person. Saiyan yeah. 2, yeah. 3, 4. And uh, it's awesome. And I love it. But at the same time, I felt like for this setting, I wanted to be. But then I realized, too, there's just like the whole point is about spreading knowledge of something new, right? Like this, uh, it's, uh, you know, and, and speaking a language, like a design language that can be understood by as many people as possible. And I think if you look at the numbers, like, uh, like for the online game, like on Roll20 or so on, around 80% of people are playing D&D 5th edition. And I just thought like, wow. yeah, I'll rather focus on what people, and I, and I still love it. It's like still, you know, D&D is still my favorite game. So I was like, okay, then I'll do 5th edition. Mm. And uh, the video game is going to be more, would not have such power gaps. So it's a skill-based role-playing game and, mm. and a very experienced uh, character will not be like, you know, 20 times more powerful than uh, a new one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but 5th edition game will have that. And um, yeah, so that means that one of the challenges too was like when designing uh, the NPCs or spirits and so ancestors, like, you know, where do you place them? Is it level 17? Is it level, is it challenge rating 17? Is it challenge rating 2? And this kind of, that was one thing I noticed was okay. a bit, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was curious, I was curious about, uh, you mentioned the video game. Are, so are, it, will it be a full video game with graphics, everything? Because I think you told us it was going to be an MMO. Yes, that's correct. Uh, and um, so, of course, when people think about MMOs, they think about World of Warcraft and the game is not going to be that big because the team is not hundreds of people. Uh, we're, yeah, we're around 10 people. But now they're like, there's like a whole genre of indie MMOs. So like, you know, the smaller yeah. experiences. And in our case specifically, it's um, a sandbox MMO. So that means there's not going to be a lot of scripted experiences. It's more like we're putting a number of tools like skills and places and things you can create and do manipulate and NPCs that are partially randomly generated as well. And then you create like your own experience kind of. And what's very different from other MMOs is that we're creating a space for role players. So when you go inside, you act out your character like you would in a D&D table. And that's something that, Ooh, that's yeah, so exciting. That's why, yeah, yeah, that's why it's so connected to D and D and tabletop. Like I'm actually creating this for tabletop role players. That's that's the audience. 
that's that's amazing that's like honestly such an incredible idea um i think that's like i don't know if you saw yunati was literally (laughs) (laughs) you guys can't see it at home uh she was getting her jam on for that that. i love the moves that brings me joy (laughs) i'm i'm curious then uh do you have plans for this to be like an ongoing project that's updated over time similar to how 5e will introduce new races and subclasses monsters uh like every year getting rolled out or do you have like a specific end point uh, uh, and this goes for either the tabletop version or the... the uh, yeah, I can say for both, uh, there isn't an endpoint planned. I mean, the video game is going to be like a sustainable long-term virtual world. So, you know, as other games that I mentioned, World of Warcraft, EVE Online, you know, like all of these, RuneScape. I mean, some of these games, I mean, some of these online spaces have been around for decades. So if the game is successful, uh, its goal is to be there, you know, potentially forever, kind of, you know, like a virtual world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the same for the setting, because the two things are connected. If people love it, like, why not uh, creating more content? So uh, soon, like, we'll be releasing, like, sort of a, a snippet. So some, uh, so, some of, so an introduction to the setting, some of the rules uh, and uh, an adventure. But if people love it, like, why not uh, more, more modules? Amazing. That's really exciting. Um, I believe we're going to be releasing uh, this after you've released this snippet. Ah, so is there any like highlights, anything that you would love for people to like particularly uh, like go out and, and seek uh, from the from the snippet that you're going to release? Yeah. So, um, I mean, the snippet grew in size. I think it's like uh, 70,000 words or something like <laughs> we're planning to make it like something smaller. And then like as always the way. We're yeah, doing here, right? yeah, exactly. It just became like so much bigger. It's like a book basically. <laughs> And uh, but I'm really, I'm really excited to see what people will be thinking. I guess by now, really, when the listening, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one thing I'm really curious about is like how players will perceive lineages and culture because it's very different from anything that has been released in D and D so far. Like there's there's a, a big difference between. The lineage, so how you look, you know, do you have horns? Do you do you have golden eyes? Are you and you know and the powers you have, and then there's lots of cultures, and sometimes there is a relation to your lineage, but uh, sometimes you know it's just completely separate. Like so, like identity is a bit more complicated uh, in Wagadu and more multi-layered. I really love that. I think it's really fascinating that you've set out to make this uh, campaign setting uh, set in Africa, but what you've actually ended up bringing as well is a hopefully a really uh, a nice complex system for culture and for uh, and lineage. I love the I love the word lineage as opposed to like race or whatever. I think that sounds really uh, truthful and more individual, yeah. uh, which I think we talk about yeah. a lot on the show actually, which yeah. is really lovely. Yeah. Um, so I'm yeah, really excited yeah. to, to lean into that to that lineage and uh, culture. <laughs> 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 never yeah. stop giggling i mean i, I have i think stop. i have it written at the beginning of the chapter it's like there is just one race everybody's a human like it's a human race and then i continue mm. explaining what lineages are and cultures and then later on there's all the numbers and the stats and so so yeah there's just yes. one race in wagadu uh, which is like our real world and i i yeah uh, you know, there's this conversation going on about uh, race yeah. and so on. And definitely, mm-hmm. this started, you know, this has been created before this conversation happened, like all of the things that happened mm-hmm. this year. Um, and I, yeah, it felt like a big validation to like what's happening in the D&D kind of uh, arena. Yeah, it felt yeah. like you were yeah, heading in the right yeah, direction already, yeah. I guess, yeah. which is yeah. exciting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you were ahead of the, yeah, you're ahead yeah. of the curve, I think, because we were, uh, I think on an earlier episode, we had read, um, we read a, a statement from Wizards of, Wizards of the Coast saying yeah. that they mm-hmm. were planning on giving more uh variation in terms of like ability score increases and basically i guess allowing the races to become less fixed into like if you're this if you're an orc then you automatically have this and if you're an elf you automatically have this and it sounds like uh they're moving in the same direction that you're already going already already gone (laughs) yes so yeah already gone there you go yeah i'm so excited to work out lineages i just want to play already (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we just want to play it. Um, you spoke to us. Uh, we we had a little chat briefly before this. You spoke to us about the idea of Wagadu not being necessarily like a fixed idea. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, almost like the world can adapt and people can almost build their own version of Wagadu. Yeah. Like that is really exciting for me as like a serial home brewer. Okay, like awesome. I can never sit still on anything. Um, so <laughs> I'd love to just hear you talk a bit about that and tell our audience because there's a lot of people I think that are really interested in homebrew items and making things as unique as possible. So yeah. 
yeah, what was your inspiration for making it a bit more of a a bit more of a flexible world yeah. as a as a fixed one, I guess. I'm loving these questions. They're like so <laughs> great D and D questions. <laughs> they bring yes, these questions. They, it, they bring me joy because <laughs> it's like yeah, I get to talk about I get to talk about these things. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and like I was trying to solve some problems. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, apart from having fun, of course. And I think one of them is you have in on many tables often like this law, I don't know what to call it, law buffs or law, law lawyers, like they just know everything about the law. <laughs> yeah, sometimes the DM, very often the DM knows less about a setting, let's say the Forgotten Realms that has like so much stuff, you know, like I, I've been, because yeah. I was running, I've been running games, I mean, normal, but I used to run games in the Forgotten Realms and I had like second edition stuff, third edition and fourth edition. Like, I think, I don't know how many dozens of books I had and PDFs and a lot of stuff. And I read through most of it. But I realized that when I was teaching other people because of, I kind of taught some DMs as well in, in these years to become Forgotten Realm uh, DMs, like it was just, they were just overwhelmed because there's just so much. And then they would go to mm. players who know a lot and like, the player, either the player is nice and I'll try and fake not knowing stuff, but you know, this weird situation. <laughs> and I thought like creating a setting that is like, I didn't want to, you know, lose completely the sense of familiarity. It's awesome if as a player, you study, you do your research, you know, like stuff, you recognize like, oh, this is the temple from this and this book, or this is super exciting, mm. right? But at the same time, to give control to the DM. And so, yeah, Wagadu, what it does is like, there are some elements that uh, are constant of this world. So like this, uh, like the, you know, the thunder waterfalls, uh, there's like some ancient trees and some mountains, they always appear. I, I think I put a list of around 30 big um, landmarks that always appear in every version wow. of Wagadu. But then there's, okay. there's been like 500 cycles, so kind of like different uh, yeah, periods uh, in Wagadu's history. And each of them has a different map, like the map always kind of re magically reforms. So we'll be providing like a bit of an example, yes. But like every time that a new period of history starts in Wagadu, it looks different. And actually I'm very excited to see what people you know dms are going to create with this like and maybe some of them we might even make them official we just like, ask them and make them official uh periods like cycles uh, of wagadu so and there's lots of room for you know user generated content for dms to own the world but at the same time for players to recognize stuff and to be excited about the knowledge about the, the lore oh that is so exciting so and awesome cool. to hear um i think like i I think one of the reasons why I, I homebrew a lot is just because I love to feel that agency mm. over my over my world, yeah. you know, the world that I am I am god of, yes. you know. <laughs> um, I think there's a real enjoyment, and that just feels like incredible to give players a real, the like really uh, sorry, give DMs a real uh, onus yeah. and like they can take ownership a little bit of this of this little corner of D and D. I think that is a, a fascinating idea. Uh, really, really it's exciting. so exciting. I mean, like slightly not DM related, but just hearing you speak about like. Um, um, great waterfalls and all and um, ancient trees. All I can already see are like baobab fields and Victoria Falls in my mind. I'm like, oh my god, yeah. I want to go home. Yes, <laughs> I just want to go home so badly. <laughs> it feels it, it feels good to like finally like find a setting where I'm like I, I feel intrinsically connected to it. That just feels really mm. liberating. Yeah, it feels mm. so lovely. <laughs> and I think for for me as someone who uh, is uh, mixed, I think you actually you posted something on Twitter about uh, being of, yes. like, of dual heritage, yeah. uh, Alan, and it really spoke to me. And actually, I think that for, very similarly to you, Nati, it feels amazing for me to like be hearing about a setting where I'm like. I can kind of explore something which feels closer to that other half yeah. of me, which I don't feel like I'm in this tune with and I'm that close to. And that feels, I mean, that feels really exciting. I feel like I'm almost getting emotional thinking about, you know, getting to wander around these African plains in, in this fantasy world instead of just, you know, oh, it's cold here because we're yeah. in like ancient yeah. Norway or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is where we always are. And so much agreeing. I think it's a lot about having the option because like, I, you know, was born and grew up mostly in Europe. And I love, you know, I was in Italy, so I was exposed to a lot of history, you know, like my, like, like basically high school was in a monastery. My university was like, like a, a 15th century castle. Like, I mean, it's Whoa. when I, when I left the country, I was okay, the, yeah, that, that, that's kind of, it's normal that there's like so much history. And then I see, I saw, always saw all of that history reflected in Hollywood movies, you know, in like books and mm -hmm. so on. So I think it, there's always a sense of familiarity, like you say, oh, the walls of the castle. And I can think about castles I have been, I've, I've even like, not, maybe not lived, but like studied or, you know, actually walked on a daily basis in like such structures. But then, you know, like, for, you know speaking about nature, which you mentioned, like when uh, I went, uh, and I've been a few times when I was in Ghana to the rainforest, um, and I love the rainforest, like it really... 
there's something really special like and different from and the sounds and and the uh, like I don't know, I really I love the rainforest. I really have a thing for, especially the rainforest in in the uh, west of Ghana. That's a bit hilly, and, and, and there's I've always dreamed about meeting the elephants. I haven't met them yet, but they're somewhere there, and it, it, that brings me it brings me joy. There's elephants in the rainforest. Yeah, and 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 now you know to be able for once to run games and play games where there's rainforest as well, you know, which is such a rare thing. It's often like depicted, if there is in d d is like a super dangerous, mm-hmm. evil place yeah. of ruins mm-hmm. that, you know, there's, there's the colonial case yeah. in the end, right? Like you have to explore it and, you know, and, and beat the natives. And maybe it's not natives, maybe it's monsters, but it's natives in the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. and so it's so nice to have a different, like, like the rainforests of Ogadu are, places are more neutral places and often they're like good places as well with like spirits that can heal you and support you and and there's a at least one lineage that is like very very strongly connected to the rainforest and lives there so uh yeah that's uh, as you're saying like having both sides represent it's not about taking anything away from yeah. western fantasy mm. it's like just adding something and being able to explore yeah. both right Oh, that sounds yeah. so beautiful. Yeah. I love that. So I love I love the idea of getting away from the fact that when you step into a rainforest, you don't assume that everything yes. there wants to yeah, kill you. Exactly. <laughs> that's yeah. really nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's that's incredible. So what was the uh, research process uh, for creating the game? This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little a person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. HeadGum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HeadGum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Yeah, so uh, specifically for the setting, you mean, or in general for the video game? Um, for the, for the setting specifically. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that was a very that was quite a challenge because uh, I mean at the beginning yes I had some knowledge you know as someone uh, of Kenyan heritage and you know, I've lived in Ghana as well and you know, I have connections so I had there's some things I knew like of traditional religion or mythology there's some basics but not that much too because there's a like there's a whole Pandora box I'm not going to open about how many Africans deal with their own heritage and how like there's a yeah. Yeah, there's a filter of like you know this is this is the devil. You don't need to talk. Don't talk about this. Yeah. Don't, don't deal with this. Which is something that you know, like in Europe, you don't have like people, um, you know, like Swedish people or Norwegians saying like, "Oh, Thor is the devil." Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't read about Thor or like you know, the, mm-hmm. like don't watch Marvel movies because Thor is demonic. You know, oh, yeah. like they're, yeah. <laughs> you know, but then you can have that very conversation. It sounds absurd, but that very conversation can happen in an African household, right? So there's, there's a whole other challenge that you have. And so going beyond that, I mean, there was a bit of a basic there, but actually what I had to do was a lot of independent research. And that meant uh, the, the internet is biased. So a lot of stuff is not on the internet. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, Wikipedia is like, I think 90% of Wikipedia writers are like uh, white straight dudes. Oh, wow. 
And uh, I think it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's really incredible, the wow. numbers. I think cool. the number of women is, I mean, not even mention people of color, but just women, there's so few women, and not to speak about people of color. And it's, uh, so you see it, because like you go, you, I'm sure if you look for some really tiny village, some hamlet somewhere in the UK, you'll find like a, a whole page. You look for like a very large ancient kingdom or city somewhere in Africa, maybe of like 3 million people, and you'll find like one line, if. And um, yeah, and so that meant like going to books, so I have like uh, piles and piles of books. I've spent a lot of money. <laughs> Some of them are incredible, very expensive because there's yeah. like just few copies that were printed and then, you know, no one, no one, no one wanted to read them. So uh, it was yeah. very challenging, but I've managed to yeah, find, find quite, because I've been searching for years now, quite a bunch of stuff, lots of papers from uh, historians, sociologists. Um, uh, some documentaries, a bit of interviewing. It was a lot of hard work, I must say, mm. but that allowed me to eventually ba- build this foundation of like religions, traditions, uh, lore, history across the continent. Uh, and then from there, I started uh, looking. Actually, the other thing I did was like looking at like Western fantasy, especially Tolkien. And then I did a, I did a breakdown of what ma- makes Tolkien cool and exciting and it resonates with every culture because people from China mm-hmm. to South Africa to Brazil love mm-hmm. Tolkien. I was like, why? So I looked at archetypes mm-hmm. and tropes and you know what, and then I kind of strip away lots of the Western mythology, kind of, you know, Norse and, and Gaelic that mm-hmm. uh, he um, sort of quoted these archetypes in. And so I had these ideas like ancient people who are like magical and powerful honorable warlike people like you have this and then i looked at all of the lore coming from africa and then i put everything in a blender and <laughs> started <laughs> yeah. and then we got yes Lanu. exactly exactly yeah. amazing you spoke a lot about the dms and what you hoped for the dms in terms of creating something uh, i'd be i'd love to hear about what your hopes are for the players mm-hmm. uh for those people who get to interact um with their the, the new characters yes. their paladins their clerics whatever it may be uh what are your hopes for them in terms of interacting with the world what do you want them to uh experience or get out of it i guess yeah so uh first of all i'd love them i mean i love the aesthetics so i'm super excited to see i mean on a very superficial level just the looks of these characters because you know Mm. one thing we see a lot um uh, which is great but you know just a small step for it is like black characters in like both official Wizard of the Coast material and lots of, you know, characters and fan art. You see like, uh, you know, a wizard that has like a wizard hat and, and robes mm-hmm. and so on, maybe in a castle, but they're black. Yeah. That's cool. Yes. But yeah. I want to see with Wagadu, like everything is a step or two steps ahead. It's like, you know, a, a wizard of Wagadu is going to probably have like calories, like these calorie mm-hmm. shells to be able to cast the spells mm-hmm. and, you know, and maybe like, you know, like use them as an oracle. They'll probably have like some, you know, magic fetish chains and like with bones. So they might have some robes with like African prints on them, their hairstyle. Right? So it's like how I'm really curious to see like these black characters that like they have black aesthetics as well. It's not just about the skin color. They're not just painted yeah. black. But mm-hmm. so, so that's one mm-hmm. thing like, you know, and, and for instance, um, same for like all the classes, you know, like even hunters, they're, they're, there's going to be, you know, they, they will have pockets where they put the charms to protect them. And you know, they just look a bit different from like an, an, a white elven ranger or so on. And, um, and, and clerics. And so that's one thing. Another thing is like how they interact with NPCs because there isn't good versus evil. Like the whole good versus evil theme is a very Western concept that comes from Western religions and so on. Whereas I went back to the more... I was very inspired by African religions, especially West African ones, but it's very much throughout the continent of like more libations and offerings. It's like yeah. you, you give spirits and gods something, they give you something back. Some are a bit naughty or mean and yeah. maybe less trustworthy, <laughs> but there yeah. is, yeah, but you don't, you don't have, there's no like absolute evil, right? There is, that isn't a thing. Yeah. And so that like created like even on the table, like when I ran, uh, like I ran, I ran a campaign already in, in Wagadu to kind of test the setting last year. And there were very interesting situations. You don't have like this, oh, it's orcs, it's evil. We, we just kill them. It's like, maybe we can talk. And uh, yeah, and sometimes bad things happen. <laughs> but it's, that's something curious to see. Uh, yeah. So it's a complete recontextualization, essentially, of all those D&D uh familiar D tropes but into just a completely different uh frame of uh frame of reference 
Yes, because like the whole, yeah, morality, like, I mean, I kept a lot, that was another challenge, yeah, going back to the initial question, like challenges of converting, like, like this, the alignments were a bit tricky because they're very steeped in this, um, I'll call it like kind of post-Christian morality, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have the devil and God, sort of like the Middle Eastern, like ancient yeah. uh, view of, of the world. And, um, and so like, alignments are that basically. And I and whereas because this is morality is more based on uh, on African you know, pre-colonial um, like morals, which of course you know, they had good and bad people and ideas of what that meant, but it wasn't like absolutes. So that's um, mm. or same for like pre-Christian Europe. You know, if you look at the gods of the of the you know Greeks or the Norse, like those were not good versus evil. Like Zeus was not a saint. Zeus was. Zeus was messy. Yes. Zeus was a messy, messy, messy hoe out here sleeping with everybody. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and his wife was not yes. happy about that. Like, yeah. <laughs> let's it like. Was, it was like a reality show. Yes. Yeah. Literally, yes. it literally was. Yes. Meet meet the Olympians. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> reality show. Uh, that's uh, that's brilliant. I think uh, I think it was Jeremy that brought this up actually, and it kind of leads us on uh, because. Uh, you'd said that there aren't, uh, in, with this introductory part, there isn't necessarily going to be any new um, sort of classes or, or uh, items. There's going to be items, sorry, um, but uh, classes and um, subclasses, uh, that kind of thing. Just wondering what are your plans for including sort of new uh, things like that into the setting? So I think you'd mentioned to us previously that you were thinking you were having, you, there's some items in there um, and obviously some, you spoke about monsters, just like, yeah. just if there's a few little tidbits that you could give us, that would yes. be <laughs> <laughs> we do love that. We just want all the goodies yeah. today. Yeah, sure, sure, I can. <laughs> uh, and so there's going to be the lineages with all the stats, and there's going to be that's uh, one of the main parts. And kind of like I'm, I call them manifestations. So basically, it's like the sub lineages. Like every lineage has variations. Uh, so for instance, the lion blood could be like more like who are these sort of lion-like people inspired by Southern African cultures and some of them <laughs> yeah i can see that. <laughs> i can see that. i want to play one yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i can see and some of them like i uh, like have more kind of spiritual influence from lions but others have from uh, leopards and for instance uh, others uh, like yeah from so other type of of big cats and that will change their powers you know like uh, like the cheetah ones would have different slightly different powers from the lion one and um, same reason for like the emere who are you could say kind of like the high elves a bit of um, uh, of uh, wagadu and they have like kind of this um, it's called juju which is like a west african word for magic uh, and they have uh, some of them are like more um, forest they, they literally have they look like this skin is like wooden and there's some wow. powers related to the yeah and then others for instance are like more mystical so uh, they even have some feathers going from their hair there's some more divine powers others are like um so you know, there's lots of variation that like, every lineage has different things but it's uh, yeah you will see it counts but some of them like shift as well for instance the water people the ikaki who are more inspired by like congolese people and south africa they they can change a bit their stats. So they can actually slightly modify, there's a ritual to modify their bonus. Wow. And they can go from like, ah, yeah. Ah. And they can go from like shark, Ooh. and they can go from shark blessing versus other fish, and that would change the slightly the bonuses they have. So there's like, Yo. I think that's something, yeah, I think I'm going to see. Yeah, that's something that's going to be, this is going to be all in the module, you find it. Then there's going to be items just a bit, not much. That's something I definitely want to do in future because there's a amount of time and resources. But I want to put more magic items and even get art because I realize when talking to people, it's like, what's a calabash? People don't know. And one of the most common items in Africa, like a calabash bow, you know, like a gourd, people yeah. have no idea. Even the currencies, like, uh, yeah, those are actually explained, like uh, cowrie shells, uh, like manila chains. So, like, these are like typical pre-colonial currencies are going to be there. But like, uh, there's lots of items that there's just no time to introduce. And spells is something that's not going to be there because uh, I had some ideas, but just there wasn't enough time. So there's notes that will future will flow into. Uh, but then, and then one thing is going to be there is like introduction to how um, the NPCs or spirits and ancestors and the geography, a bit stuff I mentioned before, it looks like. But uh, for instance, there's not going to be many examples of specific 
cycles like of, of uh, in the years of so it's going to be um so far one map maybe a second let's see if i manage on time <laughs> but like, yeah like one map of how uh, like a snapshot of a wagadu in a specific um, uh, cycle and the goal will be for the future to to share more but i'm actually very excited to even uh, to get to see what players do as well maybe like you know dms yeah. maybe even get some of those inside and classes, um, there's not going to be uh, any variations of like, um, you know, like new classes. So that's not going to be a thing for now, uh, but there's, there's ideas. So I had some ideas and yeah. the stuff and stuff I discussed with the team, but for now it's just uh, ideas and then we'll see. I'm curious to see at the end of this month when people get the module, are they going to, you know, get excited? Are they going to like really share? It's going to be for free, by the way. So it's literally, if people don't like it, I, I will know because it's not even, you know, it's for free. So that, like, if they love it, they can download it from the website. So I think by then we'll know if it's worth it to keep on producing more. I I can already tell you that it's going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, this I, sounds I, so I, cool. No, it sounds so incredible. And I to I'm totally with you as well. I'm not introducing spells. I've tried to homebrew a few spells myself. Ooh. And I always get about halfway through and I go, yeah, that's going to break the game. I can't put that in. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's really tricky. It's yeah. like spells are really hard yes. because if, you know, if you uh, you get it one, like wrong one way or the other, you can it can really underpower them and yes. they never get used or you overpower them so much that suddenly, you, oh, yes. great, they play in a shift that CR <laughs> like 15 monster. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, no, totally with yes. you. Uh, totally it, with takes you it takes time. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, yeah. Um, I'm just so excited to see what, come, like you said, like what the community then kind of, uh, it inspires the community to bring out of Wagadu as a setting. Yeah. I think this is exactly the kind of foundation uh, that we as a community have been like calling out for, and I just think it's amazing that you're that you're bringing it to us. And it's really cool that it's like an independent uh, thing of someone who's really passionate yeah. about it, and not just a part of the sort of monolith of sort of uh, Wizards of the Coast. And you know, I think that's going to be really really exciting. I'm so excited! I don't want to play in any other setting ever, <laughs> ever again. Ever again. <laughs> I'm I'm really curious as to can you give us maybe some tidbits about some of the the monsters that may be included. Yeah, yeah, sure. There's going to be actually several dozens, and uh, I collaborated with um, an old friend, Italian, who's a designer, and so that was like we had a couple of collaborations. Like uh, for example, the the art, for instance, is like because because the module is for free, like you know there was no money, so it's just people collaborating, mm -hmm. and um, uh, this is um, uh, like all of the art is like from art actually from all over the world, like from. Uh, you know, uh, Kenya to Nigeria, Brazil, uh, and, and like Europe. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like all like colored art. Like I'm actually super excited to show uh, like the art uh, of the of the book. And um, same for monsters. Like it was um, a couple of the designers that had. Like one is a biologist that uh, that was based in Africa for many years, and the other one is like this uh, designer from Italy. And um, and so I created like a list. I have a very long list of. Um, African inspired creatures. Some of them are literally from folklore, like literally like you know, well known or mm -hmm. relatively known, uh, like African. And others are like never heard of creatures that I, what I did, like a process I used a lot was like going through museums and scrolling through their collections and looking for the descriptions of like masks and things. And whenever I found some, something interesting, I would like take that snippet of information and then expand it into a creature. Masks were super uh -huh. useful because like I use like masks of lots of ethnic groups to create those creatures. Like there'll be masks that will be like, uh, one creature is going to be Dice Zambler, for instance, which is uh, based on a South on an Ivorian, uh, Ivory Coast uh, mask. Uh, and uh, it's like um, a leopard with horns, with antelope horns. Oh, that sounds cool. And so there's a whole creature, for instance, yeah, uh, that's going to die. But then there's like going to be one that's famous, I think in South Africa, and it's called the Grotslang. Uh, which yeah. is like, yeah, yeah. there's going to, yeah, there's going to be, made a brief yeah, appearance in Wakandel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there, there is, that's one of the famous ones. So there's, it's Challenge Rating 21 in Wagadu, so it's really, yes, this is, he's the strongest. Yes, <laughs> that's the strong. So basically, he's the Tarasco of Wagadu. Oh, and then there's like, but there's a lot of like, yeah, of course, low level, lower level, it's like a bit of a range, but most creatures are going to be between level one and five because of the adventure. Uh, there's like a number, like spirits actually organizing families. So one thing you will see is that there is like um, the the usual undead, uh, you know, I don't know, like um, celestial and so on categories. But then there's additional ones in Wagadu, which is like families, the uh, spirit families, and these are like collections of spirits. 
uh, that kind of are connected to each other. They're like mini panthers of spirits, mm. kind of. And, um, and that's something that will be like a, a few of those. And then there's ancestors. And ancestors in Ouagadou mm. uh, are split between uh, red and black. And this is something that um, interesting because like black spirits are actually good. They're very, it's like, it's like the, the pitch black of the night. It's like calm and cooling, refreshing and pleasant. And then red is like fire and it's dangerous. So like red spirit, red ancestors, sorry, are like dangerous and angry. And blue and uh, sorry, black ancestors are like cool and friendly and healing and, and harmonious. And an ancestor can shift between these two states. It's not like yeah. them, demons and angels. And there'll be some of those ancestors Amazing. as well will appear. Nice. That's really That's cool. Really... And, and in terms of ancestors as well, just I just that just sort of piqued my interest. As player characters dependent on your lineage, would, is is there a world in which you can communicate down your ancestral path for information or for blessings or for extra strength or whatever the case may be? Um, <laughs> yes, uh, but for now, like the easiest okay. way to have this in the setting is going to be a bit reskinning uh, what's already there from D and D, right? So. Okay. Yeah, like, like for instance, uh, like mo most of the uh, rangers' powers actually in uh, the world of Ogadu are from spirits of the wilderness. Okay. Uh, for okay. instance. And then most of like bards in most lineages uh, get the powers from ancestors. Mm. Just like, just like, yeah. So when you are usually like the, the like, just like griots from Mali, for instance, West Africa, uh, they, um, when they play music, they are like, you know, that music has been played by, by lots of ancestors in the past and the summon in the power of ancestors. So the magic yeah. of bards in Wagadu is ancestral magic. That's not, not, not going to change the effects and the dance yeah, and yeah, so yeah, on, yeah. but it's a, yeah, it's a risky. Yeah. yeah, so that happens, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, I, in researching various uh, monsters and legendary creatures from the African continent, there's one that keeps popping up, uh, which is Mokele Mbembe. Is he, yeah. he going to maybe make an appearance? Uh, so I can say uh, it's on the list, but it's not in this module. Oh, so okay. in future might, yeah, in future might. So because uh, I tried to decide, most of the creatures are br brand new. I mean, like they're from most of the time from somewhere I I research, but they're like never seen on on the internet, basically. Oh, nice, awesome, exciting. And then, so just for our uh, uh, for our listeners who haven't sort of uh, contact have been in contact with you guys a lot, uh, there's a module coming. Is yes. that right? The uh, the child and yes, the oath. Is that, is that, uh, amazing. So there's a module coming, and then uh, along with the module, um, there will be like an intro yes. to the Wagadu setting as well. Um, that's amazing. Uh, we did have uh, uh, two final questions yeah. uh, that we'd really love to throw out. Just a, can you throw us out? The, what's your favorite thing about the new setting? It could be like a particular lineage that you've made, mm. or a, a monster, or a creature. Uh, like maybe it's one of the the locations you spoke about. Love to hear about what's what's your like number one uh, favorite thing that, that's come out of the. Yeah. come out of the setting so this is such a hard question i've been asked before and i've, and I've thought and i think i changed the answer each, each time like some <laughs> answers so i'm going to pick actually like a peculiar one because i'm not exactly a favorite but like it made me think a lot and i think it's like a, one yeah. of the most interesting things and that's like children in wagadu because um when um uh, like one of the reasons why wagadu changes uh, so much is because people fall from the upper world. So the upper, the upper realms, the upper worlds are like kind of more, a more normal place. I mean, it's still magic, but it's kind of like where everybody comes from. They're born and, and there's no like society, stable societies. Mm -hmm. And then people somehow fall, they get like, it literally feels like a, like, like a falling star. You fall into this metaphysical world of Wagadu, like a purgatory, Wagadu is like a purgatory actually. And, uh, and then wow. people find themselves trying to survive, like kind of struggling in this world. And, this falling can sometimes last for centuries. So then you have a cycle is like a phase of people falling. So you might have civilizations that go on for centuries because people keep on falling. And sometimes it might be just one generation. People fall and then it dies out because people, if they have children in Wagadu, children turn into spirits. And the children born in Wagadu belong to Wagadu. They turn into spirits of the wilderness and leave their families. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, oh. and that's something so I discussed it uh, like a lot with like people, and it was, um, and I realized it was like something I just put in without too much thought at the time. And actually, I will, I will confess publicly, and like the reason why is because most <laughs> of the lore has been made designed to be fully compatible with the video game. So I was thinking, what can I, ha mm. how can I create things so that you don't have these weird moments? Like you, for a typical one is like you have 
permadeath in the setting, in the lore, but then like in the video game, you keep on keep on dying and spawning, and respawning. Yeah. And then you have the cats. You have the cat scene yeah. where you stab the king and the king dies, but then actually the video game, you just you know get stabbed ten times in one hour and it's fine. <laughs> and I hate yeah. yeah. And because and because yeah. the video game is so much about immersion, it's created to full to full role play within this. Plays like I wanted to avoid these, you know, game break like lore breaking moments. So I thought like children are such a difficult thing to manage in a video game. So let me think about the setting where ch- children are more of a like um, alien thing a bit. You like you have these Whoa. spirits, yeah, yeah, and uh, <laughs> that is <amazing>. yes, <laughs> and uh, and then it's like created, and so you have this creature, and some of them actually some of them uh, are called uh, like there's a small chance that if you have a child in Wagadu, they might turn into a dwen. And this is based on a real myth, actually, I had, and this is interesting because it's not based on African, but Carib- Afro-Caribbean mythology, because this friend of mine is from Barbados, and, uh, like, he told me this, he's like, oh, you know about this legend, and actually put it in. And Dwens are, like, these children that have, like, no facial features, and um, are extremely evil and dangerous, and they're, like, you know, super destructive, and, like, if, if a, a spiritual child from Wagadu turns into a Dwen, it's trouble, because they might even destroy the whole village, and, oh. and seek their parents, and, yeah. Whoa. And so, <laughs> yeah. So Whoa. there are consequences to having children, everyone. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's that that could create yeah. such interesting stories potentially. Like, what if a what if what if like you get you don't want to have your kids turn into yeah. a spirit, so that you have to find some way. Like, it, you have to yeah, it can create yeah. real drama for PCs. That's really cool. Yeah, that's why like uh, eventually societies die out in Wagado and restart, and that's how you have. All of these virus societies and wagadus that you can have your own wagadu because then at some point eventually people stop falling from the upper realms and then you know everybody so that's the wagadu is cyclical always wow oh that is and i think what an incredible like i I love the idea of it just being like a really fluid environment that it's it's it i think that is that's one of the things that really is drawing me to the setting i'm so excited uh one final question we did have for you is i don't know if uh if you've listened to a lot of our uh show but we do this thing called tales from the table mm-hmm. uh which is where we share a usually a bit of a ridiculous thing that happened um uh <laughs> that involved either a rolling in that one or uh, your players just being completely chaotic um so i just wondered if you said earlier that yeah. you'd run a bit uh you'd run a campaign yes. within uh Bugadu. i would love to know if you have any like tale from the, if there's anything that happened in Wagadu that you're just like <laughs> like it was just either crazy or funny yeah. or whatever I'd love to if you've got so anything. I'm laughing because I have a story <laughs> in mind yeah, amazing <laughs> so I was like uh, yes I was running the game as I said this campaign last year to to be test the setting and I'm really grateful to those my friends players because like they had to go through a lot of kind of things being you know tested and, but they they, they re- yeah but, but their feedback was awesome because it really helped me kind of gain confidence in the setting and one of the characters of the players um, created a character that's uh, a Daima Daima are like the moth people and they're like this uh, a bit like fragile people that uh, worship death and the moon uh, they're um, like inspired by uh, East, uh, like kind of Horn of Africa uh, cultures, especially some of like the most remote parts. That's so they uh, often like you know have, use body paint and like this very specific jewelry or lip plates and have like these moth wings that sometimes glow. And um, and so uh, th- this character is like a sorceress, uh, uh, was a sorceress, and she uh, always had this, this mystical touch, a bit whimsical. And she decided to uh, there was this uh, giant. Uh, frog spirit that they met in the rainforest and they didn't know how to pass through and she decided that doing some sort of uh, magical dance would be the best way to get through (laughs) so at some point like she started glowing and dancing and flapping her wings the frog was the spirit frog was looking at her she rolled the one and the (laughs) and what did the frog think like what a great snack <laughs> yeah. Oh, and so, yeah. And at that point, the players like had to pry her out of the jaws of the. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and actually, yeah. And afterwards, in hindsight, the players laughed so hard because in hindsight, it just like looked so bad. Like kind of this moth yeah. thing, like just flying around, flapping away, and then like what, yes. rolling a one. What do you expect, right? Like what the problem? Yeah. <laughs> like like. Didn't resemble a dance at yeah, all. No. It was literally just, just a moth offering yes, itself. Exactly. And glowing, glowing as well. So making it glow. Glowing yeah. as well. Oh, that That's is amazing. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
Oh, wow. Um, I Honestly, I feel like we could have spoken oh. to you for hours, uh, Alan, and uh, I know I speak for everyone here when I say how excited mm-hmm. we are uh, for this uh, for this setting. So we do actually have an incredibly exciting announcement to make today, which is that we, the Three Black Halflings, are going to be playing this setting. And not only Yay. that, we're <laughs> going to be live streaming it on the 12th of September. So make sure you keep your eyes peeled uh, across all of our social media. So Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, it's at TB Halflings. Uh, we'll also be posting announcements on the Discord. So find us on there as well. Uh, but oh, honestly, after this conversation, I'm even more excited to be playing uh, this setting it's going to be a full session a full one shot um which will be available later as a podcast as well so 12th of september put it in your diary i'm oh, not so even excited. more excited i think i might die <laughs> <laughs> I, I think i broke it <laughs> send help for unati she's about to collapse yeah yeah unati is about to collapse but we're gonna get together um and we are gonna play this setting uh jeremy has kindly volunteered to dm yes. for us uh how are you feeling about this jeremy <laughs> oh i'm feeling hyped man this sounds great yeah this is awesome. gonna be awesome but this honestly this uh the wagadi is like it really does feel like a gift uh uh alan and thank you so much for bringing it to the world bringing it to our community um i think it's like i said before it's exactly what we need um and so excited to dig into it i just wanted to offer my eternal gratitude and thanks my heart is so warm Uh. now (laughs) (laughs) just thank you uh same here Uh, same here like i have gone on I have gone on rants to some of my uh, your my white friends <laughs> about how I'm just disappointed I am with the limitations of like Western fantasy and D and D and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I have like a whole f- dislike of elves mm. because of it, and this the existence of something like this is just like. It's not Haitian, but it's also like, see, like now, now there's some variety. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. like we're not just relying on the same tired tropes and stereotypes. Uh, it's uh, yeah, I love it. I love it. This is awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So this much. brings me yeah. so much joy. So thank you and energy. So thank you so much. It's like, <laughs> I'm so happy. Uh, well, we are uh, unbelievably excited to dig into this campaign and to play it. I am literally um, already <laughs> thinking about what my lineage is going to be. I'm, uh, I'm, like, I'm like, I'm like, Lionborn, but yeah. going to be a cheetah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking at these. I'm looking at these water lineages. I'm, I'm oh yeah, I'm all over that. Yeah. Um, I went to the website and pulled up all the lists and was looking at all the info and the pictures, and I'm like, ooh, ooh yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, all it's right. Uh, so yeah. yeah, this is going to be immensely fun. Uh, thank you so much, Alan, for joining us today. Um, it has been an honour to talk to you, and uh, we hope that you, the fellow halflings who are listening, have enjoyed this uh, episode and look forward to. If you haven't already, where can we find you on the internet, Alan? Because everyone needs to be finding you right now. Uh, what's your like Twitter handles and stuff? Uh, same for the campaign. Yeah. Well. So uh, on when on Twitter, Instagram, like the Wagadu Chronicles. I think on Twitter is Wagadu Chronicle because the S couldn't fit, but it's <laughs> Wagadu, <laughs> Wagadu Chronicle. Cool. But otherwise, the Wagadu Chronicles. And if if you register to our newsletter, uh, we will send uh, we will send actually the module as well through the newsletter. So register. Well, there you go. Go and sign, sign up, up now. What are you doing? If you're listening to this, why? just stop exactly. and go sign and up. sign yeah. up and then come back and listen to the why end. Are you being, why are you being foolish? Because I will backhand you if you don't sign up. <laughs> I will come to your and house. And don't forget about the jewels that she has Hands. on her hand. Like, yeah, those, those rings will leave a mark. <laughs> uh, so this has been another episode of uh, Three Black Halflings. Uh, Alan Kudicho, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this. We will see you again again next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for having me. Bye. 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 Bye.